Welcome to Kingdom Light Church. We believe this message by Sean Basson will find entrance in your heart and impact in your life in a supernatural way. For more information, please visit our website, Instagram account, and Facebook page. I just want to make sure we're in the right place this morning. Um, it's good to be back in the extended family with everybody of you. Um, thank you for the prayers and the messages. I've re- I received so many uh, through the time being away. Uh, people sending me, like, hey, when are you coming back? I was away for two days, three days, and I was already getting messages that are saying, hey, when are you coming back? And I'm like, that's not a biggie. But uh, the three weeks were amazing. But turn to someone next to you. Look them in the eyes if you can. And say, God loves you. And your life is important. Your future is important. And today is the start of a new season. Amen. Come on, let's give God a shout for that. We're going to have communion today. And and I'm going to speak a little different than the first service. Um, Gary already touched on some awesome stuff. Did you enjoy the offering this morning? It was a good offering. It was really, really good. I want to firstly say to the whole team um, looking after the church and after things while I was away, we kept in contact through the time period, but they did a phenomenal job. We've got an amazing volunteer leadership team. Come on, let's just honor them. I think they're fantastic. You know, a a church doesn't just happen. Things like on a Sunday don't just happen. They, uh, They are prepared and planned out, whether it be tables, whether it be opening up, whether it's whatever that is from everything we do in the week, all the different churches. It's a, it's a lot of work. So I want to say thank you to all of them. And I know my dad was in here cutting. Uh, JD sent me a photo of how my dad looked. Uh, I thought he was part of Avatar, just the green Avatar, because um, he was cutting that, uh, the baptismal pool, and they're working on that. And he was green, and then he was up on the light. And I'm like, yes, dad, every time I go away, you start doing crazy things here. So um, <laughs> he was working really hard. But thanks for that. Um, baptismal pool will be up and running soon. And then today, we also have a special baptism. Uh, Robert will be having his baptism baptism today after the service so at the end we're going to pray over him jd and them are going to do his baptism i think that's going to be special right amen baptism is such a intricate part of my christianity it is phenomenal so we're going to do his baptism at the end as well so and again i'm just looking at the fact that we are all together as a family here today family is really special so it's bad nice having you all the way from oz with us it's awesome 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 so turn with me in your bible to act 17 that's our scripture for the day and I want to touch on that, but I'm also just going to give you a little feedback on what happened and where I was. So just to give some statistics of what this trip was, it was definitely not a a holiday, though I saw amazing places and experienced amazing things. I wasn't on a holiday. I was on a a ministry trip that God had ordained way before I knew what was going to happen. Uh, I knew some of the places, or I knew the places I was going. I knew the people I was connecting to. But I want to tell you one thing. If God's got a word on your life and you hold fast to that word, that word will come true. I want to say that again. If God's got a word on your life, if you've got a word from God and a promise from God, that promise will come true. That you may go through many seasons in the desert, there will be a day when you are confronted with a Jericho. And once you've pushed through the Jericho, you will get to the promise. 
There is something about a Jericho moment in your life where you are confronted with, do you believe what God says or do you believe your circumstances? I'm saying it, do you believe the circumstances or do you believe what God says? And we have seen incredible things happen the last two years with this ministry. get ready just believe god that god's going to use you in other nations that god's going to bring other nations to your doorstep how many in this room here are from another nation just raise your hand quickly we have people from other nations right in our midst so what god is doing is bringing nations here so that we can take the word of god outside into africa and i'm telling you africa is going to turn around I'm going to say that again. Africa is going to turn around. Africa is going to have the greatest revival that, that any continent has ever seen. And it's going to flood from Africa into the rest of the world. You know, I find Ghanaians everywhere I go. And they're all just like Nathaniel and Doreen. You know, that's amazing, right? They're always laughing. They're always singing. They're always happy. They're all, they, they are always just bringing light where they go. Africa is on fire. And I don't care what the rest of the world is thinking. South Africa and Africa is going to bring something that the world does not know. Unity. You know, this kind of church where we have different colors and different nationalities and multicultural, multi-ethnic church is not known in the world. You have one type of church that is from one continent. You know, only the French get together. We were at a conference in Greece. And at the conference, they were dreaming about this kind of church. I'm going to say this again. They were dreaming. And I'm not talking about Greeks. I'm talking about people from the UK, people from the Netherlands, people from the United States, people from all over. We were over 100 different leaders that were there dreaming about having a church that is multi-ethnic, multicultural, intercultural, like our church. And I'm going, wow, that's amazing. And they were dreaming about not just having this kind of church, but having a, a growing church. Having a church where there is anointing. Having a church where there is word. Having a church that is alive. And I'm going, God, if they can just come to our church and see what God is doing here, they will be blown away by the fact that God is moving in Africa. So for me... Man, I stood there going, if you, if you can just see our church back home. It's amazing. The people are amazing. But God is using us to go to many nations to help pastors find this kind of thing. You know, our scripture is Ephesians chapter 4. It's to equip the saints for, for the work of ministry. That's talking about pastors. That's talking about you. That's talking about leaders, volunteers, to equip you to be ministers. That's what I'm going to talk about today. But God really spoke to me in this time period about equipping, empowering, and expanding. You're going to hear us talk about this a lot going forward. Because that is truly where the body of Christ is. We need to equip those around us. Those that are coming in and need to be equipped so that they can start planting churches. They can start touching people. They need to be empowered so that as they go into these nations they have the resources to do it whether that is from knowledge and or whether that is monetary but we need to do it we need to, i'm trusting god within the next five years to raise up every month a hundred thousand dollars to give to church plants and people across the world yeah i'm a little crazy i'm a little jesus 
because it was really crazy to think that he would die on a cross to save the whole world i'm in that kind of mindset that i believe god wants to do something through this little church that's about to grow into a bigger church that's going to plant more churches in cape town do more churches across the world raise up more leaders mature more christians so that god's kingdom will expand across the earth amen and we're not just saying that because it's a nice thing to say i'm seeing it every single day i'm seeing it as we travel through these countries where these pastors are hungry to have what we are having and god's connecting us to more pastors and more leaders and more churches to help them and we're going to go out as a team next year may i'm going i was invited back to buenos aires i'm taking a whole team i'm taking our whole team there for a week so we can go and bless that churches they will be here in october some of them that are coming to our church to experience this i cannot wait for them to experience this because we've got something spectacular here you have got something spectacular that the person next to you is waiting for that's going to change history it's going to change somebody's life and it's profound you know in this time there was a way one of the moments and i'll finish with this and all of this is building up to the scripture so don't think i'm just preaching a lot of this and then i'm going to be preaching and you'll be here till three o'clock this afternoon you'll be here till half past two not three don't worry i'm just kidding is that we're sitting in new york city in the 16th floor of uh, an uh, office building and i'm having a meeting with church leaders from across the world some on skype some around the table on the forefront of what God is doing with church planting. And I'm sitting there, and um, Annalise von Rensburg was also in the vicinity, so I invited her to come along. And she's sitting there with me. And I'm looking at her, and I'm looking at me, and I'm thinking, we're these two crazy Afrikaans, Ingolse, South Africans, that are sitting in the middle of Manhattan, talking about church planting across the world. And I'm thinking, my God, how did we end up here? I'm looking out the window and I'm going to pinch myself. Like, we're in Manhattan having meetings about church planting. And the lady across the table is talking about how they raised $80 million. And I'm going, I'm looking like, I know that. Yeah, $80 million. And so I'm going like, what? $80 million? Yesterday, that is insane. But I'm outside, I'm going, yeah, yeah, that, that's nice. And God is stirring in me. He says, Sean, if they can do it, how much can you do? Come on, there's something about that saying, do not look at your nationality. Do not look at the place where you were born. Do not look at the kind of job that you have. Do not look at where you're at. And I'm speaking to you. Do not look at your circumstances to determine what God says. You know, less than two years ago, we weren't there. We didn't have any of these things. It's not like I was staying in the best hotels. I was carrying my tog bag of 20 kilos around amongst trains, sleeping on couches sometimes, to be at these meetings. Because God said it. I want to say something, and I'll, I'll go a little off track, and then we'll get back to you. Is it's good to pray with somebody when they're still going through the desert. But it's better to rejoice with somebody as soon as they hit the promised land. You know, when we, we pray for people when they go through tough times. But when they start getting the breakthroughs in their life, some people step away and go, you think so smart of yourself. 
you are so trying to be so cool you are trying this you are trying let us not be like that let us people who pray through with people when they are going through their desert but let us celebrate when people are getting their breakthroughs in their life then when they get those million dollars when God starts using them then we celebrate with that you know for so many many years we celebrated when other ministries were going through amazing breakthroughs and all we did we were just faithful for many years I prayed that our family would sit in one building together and today we're sitting as one family in this building and that's so exciting for me you see God moves upon your prayers just by your faithfulness because his promises are yes and amen I might not see it today I might not see it tomorrow but I know God is doing amazing amazing things and I'm part of that kingdom amen so Acts 17 verse 16 Acts 17, verse 16. It says the following, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw the city was given over to idols. What is that scripture? You know, we can just read over that and miss that. Oh, they're still busy getting that up there. But it says his spirit was provoked in him his spirit when he saw the idolatry in Athens I love that because something in him stirred said I don't like this we have to change it you know two years ago when I took a sabbatical and I went to Spain to walk the Camino and I just want to say many people think that was my first option that wasn't my first option my first option was to go to India and go help out with our missionary friends Lorette Lorette Lahul Rahul and Loret. You see, I'm messing. They're Loret. They're all together, okay? They're one in the spirit. So I wanted to go help them. But for all these years, the first time, they couldn't, I couldn't go there for three months with them. So I couldn't go to India. Then I applied to five different nonprofits who were working with children in Nepal. So I've always wanted to go there. And I thought, wow, that's a place where extreme uh, idolatry is and the children that are from extreme poverty being helped. I really want to go help at those, those places. Not one of those nonprofits came back to me. Not one. I said, my CV, I'm a pastor. I'm not just a fly-by-night. I want to just come and help. All I want to do is come work. As part of my sabbatical, I went, not one came back to me. So the only thing that opened up was the Camino to go walk for a month. But in walking for a month, God started speaking to me about every person I saw. You know, in one month, I did not meet one Christian on, the, on that Camino. Hundreds of young people, old people, walking. That, in 20, 2017, one million pilgrims walked the Santiago de Compostela. There's not one Christian outreach on the, on the Camino. Not one Christian, not one born-again Christian outreach in Spain. Excuse me, one million souls are moving, open, desiring to hear from God or to meet somebody because they don't even know what it is. And not one person. And I felt like Paul. My spirit was stirred. I said, God, can we not do something about this? When you drive around here, you see a lot of churches. When you go there, all you see is cathedrals and monuments. 
See, we have an idea about what that is. But as, as Gary said this morning, a third generation atheists. Third and fourth generation atheists. That means that nowhere in their life anybody has made a commitment to Christ. You can stand at a braai in South Africa and you ask a few people, somewhere somebody was at a Sunday school and been in a church before where some gospel was being preached. So we're blessed in this country. We're so blessed. The world out there is dying around us. And Paul stands in the midst of these idols. He doesn't call for spiritual warfare. He doesn't acknowledge Satan. <laughs> All he does is his spirit is stirred. And he says, I need to do something about this. Amen. One man. One man who says, I need to do something about this. I need to get some people saved. I need people to hear the gospel of Jesus. I need something about this that's going to change people's lives. And I'm the one. I'm here right now. I'm standing in this place. I need to look for somebody that can hear what I've got to say. So listen what he does. And listen, it wasn't the spirit of... It didn't say an angel. Do, do we read an angel appear to him? Do we hear a rock fell on him and he had some sort of vision at night? No, his spirit was stirred. Who lives in you? The Holy Spirit. You think it's you, but it's him. You're waiting for him and you think you might be crazy? You're not crazy. It's him stirring in you. Come on, I want you to do something. I want you to share my love with somebody. I need to reveal myself through, not an angel, through you. God doesn't operate with angels anymore. He operates with you. He operates with you at your office building. He operates with you in your street. He operates through you amongst your friends. And it's not about trying to preach the gospel. It's about being the gospel. I'm going to drop this. I am the good news. Okay, well, you're going to get that now. I don't preach the good news. I am the good news. Where I go, it's good news. Whether I'm in a restaurant, whether I'm meeting you for the first time, wherever I go, I am good news. Wherever you go, you are the good news. I don't have to convert somebody. When I'm in their presence, they want to be like me. Because they find something in me that's different. Whether we walk into Manila, into a, a place where the, the, that German guy, all he wanted to do was spend time with us. The whole group from JD, I, he just wanted to be around us. Why? Good news. This is too good to be true news. Have you ever had that kind of news? 100% sale. <laughs> and that's too good to be true news. Come on, that's the news you are. Paul standing there in, in Athens, stirred up by the idolatry, and wants to preach the gospel. He's not moved by Satan. He's moved by God. He's not trying to have spiritual warfare against it. He wants to preach the gospel. So many times we're like, Ooh, do you feel the demonic oppression? No, I just feel Jesus. Do you feel the devil is in this place? No, the devil doesn't rule this place. God rules this place. Every single charismatic church that have tried to launch in Athens and Greece has failed. They just have religious churches there. Anyone who tries to preach grace, they try, no church. Do you understand what 
We just look at these places as holiday resorts when God is looking at as souls that are waiting to be saved. Less than 1% of the nation is people that are baptized, speaking in tongues, and believing in the, in the good news of grace. Less than 1% of a nation. Okay, well maybe that's just me. Then I'll be the only one saying, God, that's got to change. There are so many souls that are needing Jesus in the world, and we are the ones who have the good news. Paul's standing in Athens and is stirred up by this and then reveals one of the greatest truths of all time. Let's go on. Let's read this. Therefore, he reasoned with the, in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Um, then we jump further down. Uh, we read a certain... Priscian, I always miss that, Catholic philosophers encountered with him and said, what does this babbler say to us? So they were just like, he's talking a lot. What is he talking about? What does the babbler say to us? Others say, he seems to be claiming foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. Oh, he was teaching something very profound, that his God is alive, that his God is real. That his God is not in a grave. That his God isn't just a story. It's not Greek mythology. It's not Roman mythology. It's not Egyptian mythology. This man was alive and is now resurrected. And he gives us power over death. Oh, that had to stir up a few thoughts. Okay. Verse 19. And they took him and brought him to the Acropolis. Um, saying, may we know what this new doctrine is and what you speak. For they are bringing some strange things, for, for you are bringing some strange things to Aeas, for, for we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners were there to spend their time in nothing else um, but either to tell or to hear some new thing. What are these guys doing? If you find out a little bit of history, I was there now. The place they brought Paul to. Maybe you don't like history, I love history, but this will make sense to know this. Mars Hill, or the Aripochs, where they're talking about, is very close to the Acropolis. It, you can literally, you stand on a little open hill and you look at this monument that was built for Athena, who was the goddess of Athens. It is massive. Everything around it was full of idols being worshipped daily. Daily they would go there. Daily they would make sacrifices. Daily they were searching for new gods. So these guys are standing there talking about their gods and what they were doing, but trying to find what was new. You know, so many of us come to church not wanting to hear something new. We just come to church. So many of us read the Word not trying to find something new. We just read it because it's there. And maybe not you, maybe somebody in another town, another church. But I find that was stirred in my heart. Am I trying to find something new about him? Am I, trying, am I learning more? Is, is he revealing something right now? Because you see, when you go through religion, religion has forgotten who Jesus is. Forgotten who Jesus is. These guys are searching. Though they're searching for gods, Paul is about to give them something that's profound. He's, trying, he's about to give them something that's going to change the history of Athens. And it's documented that this day in history changed the history of Athens it's studied in archaeology in a secular university Paul's writings are being studied 
when it has to do with archaeology because it's the best known documentation of that time. Paul changed the history of Athens in one day. Now we listen to that and we think, Paul, who are you? We put Paul there and us here. We put you know, the, the great men of God, they're up there. What can I do? Like, oh, that's nice. It's a nice story. You know, God called you for the same thing. The same spirit that's in Paul was in you. The same spirit that was in Jesus was in you. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you. You see, God is wanting to use you in the same way. Not in the providence of... Paul didn't go there to try and change his city. We don't read in verse 16, he was so moved to think that he would put this on Facebook and go live about what he just did so that everybody in the world can know in this very moment he changed history. Right? He's not changing to tra change history. He's bringing the gospel of the good news. Just stick with me for a moment. History might be boring for you, but from standing in that moment, I realized this is exactly where Paul stood. And I stood on that hill thinking, how many people around me right now that is not in church am I bringing the good news to? Okay, I want to ask you again. How many people in our lives right now that is not in church are we bringing the gospel of the good news to? Because Paul's standing on this hill and he's busy preaching the gospel to men who are searching for God. Now you've got to understand when he writes, let's go to that scripture quickly as we go down. Um, verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Acropolis, uh, of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For I've been passing through and considering the objects of your worship and I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Do you know that when he started off he didn't condemn them? He didn't tell them they were sinners, evil, about to drive out demons out of them? He didn't confront their ne negativity. He was about to give them something that's greater. Why could he do that? How could he do that? Because he knew who God was and he knew who he was in God. Who's God in you? I have something to give. Therefore, one of the worshippers, without knowing, in, in, um, therefore, the one whom you worship, without knowing, him I proclaim to you. I'm not looking at what you're doing. I'm not looking at your idol. I want to tell you about something better. He's using the enemy to preach the gospel. He's using the enemy to preach the gospel. Listen to this. Um, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. So this in the first service. What he just said there is profound. Because all they do is build temples for their gods. And he stands in the midst of men who have never heard of God and say, the God I want to show to you, the unknown God, doesn't dwell in a building he's everywhere so those guys who are sitting there who are very religious even that they put up a statue to say to the unknown god because you've got to understand from history point of view they were making sure that they don't offend any god so that if they come into trouble <laughs> that a god can help them so they'll take on any new god 
But Paul says, I'm not giving you a new God, I'm giving you the only God. I'm not giving you something that's just going to add to it. I want to teach you that this very thing is where you should live in. You see, Christianity has become a thing that we just add it to the rest of our life. A lot of churches are preaching, okay, so just add Jesus. He gives you, you know, you can use all these other things, but just add Jesus. He'll give you extra peace. He'll give you, no, no, Jesus doesn't want to be added to your life. Jesus wants to be your life. I'm going to say that again. He doesn't want you just to do it something nice and not follow. I follow half of it because it's a nice thing. You know, it's grace. It's all there. I can do whatever. I can sin as much as I like and come to church and just be okay with it. You know, they accept everything. It's all all right. And, and then live where I am. No, no, no. He says, I want all of your life. All of your heart. All of who you are. Because I am the one who's going to give you real peace, real life, real joy. He's desiring all that. And Paul declares this. So these guys are sitting there looking at the temple they've just built that is profound, that is beautiful, where millions of people are going through the years. These thousands of people are going there. And he says, I want to show you a God that's more real, more greater. He's the only God, and he doesn't live in a temple. Then he goes on. Finishing. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life breath and all things um, and he has made from one blood every nation of man to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed uh, pre times and boundaries for their dwellings so that they should seek the lord in a hope that they might grow uh, from him and find him though he is not far from each one of us what he just revealed is that god has everything in control and he is very close and then he goes to the statement, for in him we live and move and have our being. And then he says, for as some of your poets have said. What he just revealed to them is that you don't worship this God as you bringing something to him. This God that I'm proclaiming to you, in him you can live and move and have the source of life. Guys, that message is preached thousands of years ago, but still the church struggled to truly find how to live and move and have our being in God. This table represents the start of it all, that Jesus died on a cross so that each one of us could live and move and have our being in Him, not based on our religious acts, but on His sacrificial death. So that through Him we can live and move and have our being. So that through him we can walk onto a hill and stand and proclaim the good news. Where am I going with this? Gary shared the story about the fish. This pastor that we're sitting at, we're sitting with, and they're in the Netherlands, and we're talking about church. Now he buys this fish and every Friday he drops it off at this home and they cannot understand why he wants to give them fish. It's very expensive. Why would he give me his fish? He said, because I just want to tell you that you loved. I just want to share something. I want to share. I have more than enough fish. I'll give to you. And as he shares the fish and shares the fish and shares the fish, they start asking, who are you? And said, I'm a pastor. Where's your church? And this is my church. Eventually they come to his church. Eventually they get saved and their whole world changes. The whole world changes. Because of more than enough fish. Because somebody took the time to say, I'm going to go after you to make sure 
that you get to know this Jesus, this good news that I'm talking about. Paul says, I'm stirred in my heart because of all these idols. Because I want to bring you a gospel of good news. But what does the church become? Very inward thinking and not outward thinking. It's about me, it's about my family, it's about my things. But what about the person next to me at work? What about the guy next to me in the station or on the train or the guy at my workplace or my neighbor? What about those guys? Before the end of this year, I believe we're going to get um, Elsa and Leon, that is my mom's cousin, to this church. Because I want them to see the seed to see the harvest of the seed they sowed in their lives. My Uncle Rod played a role in getting saved first <laughs> and then bringing this gospel of good news here. So the seed was sown already into their life from Rod's point of view. First, yeah. That's true, no? Sown by them into their life. And then... My mom's cousin pitched up at their house because the, one Sunday and said, we will not leave until you come with us to church. She parked the car right behind the car so they couldn't leave. So she says, you will take out your clothes, you will get dressed, and you will come with us to church. So the seed of a family sown into their life and the seed of another family coming to harvest and saying, you will come to church. None of this would have been. Never underestimate the power of your seed. By going after them, hundreds of people across the world have been touched. The harvest of seed. The night Billy Graham got saved, the pastor wrote in his diary, Do you know Billy Graham? <laughs> The night he got saved, the pastor wrote, not a very successful night in our crusade. Only two boys got saved tonight. <laughs> Only, not a very successful night. Only two boys got saved tonight. And one's name is Billy Graham. How many thousands of people got saved through that man's ministry into the world you don't know who you are dealing with right next to you in your life today the guy down at the store the people they need jesus they need jesus something about paul's heart being stirred about the idol say hey man i've got to do something about this as church we've got to say i got to do something i don't care how many people you've saved already because you have brought the good news to them there's more there's more there's more that need to know. There's more. And some will take it and some won't. It's not my job to get them. So it's my job to get the good news to them. So that they can hear about this good news. That an Elsa and a Leon could go down to the house and say, We will not leave until you come to church with us. So we have the same statement, one vision. We have the one over 99 that's on our jackets, that's on our caps, that's on our hoodies, that Jesus would leave the 99 for the one. So that the one can touch the 99. Whew. There was a statistic at the one conference 
that the guy gave, and, and I might misquote the statistic, but what it did is, it said if one pastor would raise up many sister churches, they would use the word sister churches, many sister churches in a, in a period of two to three years, he would raise, if he would do it every year with two or three guys and every month, and you know, he would have a certain amount of churches within three years. I think they were working about, let's say, 35 or 40 different churches. But if one pastor raised up one leader, that would raise up another leader. And every month that leader would still continue and every single one of that he raised up also raised up other leaders. And it's very easy because it's, it's networking. It's very easy. It's pyramid. But if you realize the profoundness of that is within a short period of two to three years, they would have over 512 different churches that would be raised up from one guy who just spread the gospel. So let's take churches out of it and we put souls into that. If I just go off to one soul and I teach that person how to get somebody else saved and how they, and it's not about a little tract or standing on a street corner. It's about relationship. It's about relationship. It's about getting around a table and saying, hey, can I give you a fish? Can I, can I share with you what's going on in my life? Can I just love on you today? Paul moved in his spirit. He said, I want to. I want these guys to know something that they've never known before. Athens' history changed because of Mars Hill. Because one man preached to a few people. And the few people took what he said. And Christianity was born there. And it broke down the temple. That in history it's known. That day Athens' history changed. Then Paul went from there to Corinth. And in Corinth the same thing happened. And from there it went into the whole world. Jesus took 12 guys and deposited the good news into 12 guys. And 11 of them went out. And you are sitting here today because Jesus deposited it into 12 guys. I'm trying to keep back the passion that I have for people. The passion I have for nations. The passion I have to see people get saved. The passion I have for this very thing that the world around us need to know what Jesus is doing in our lives through the way we live our lives. Because in Him we live and move and have our being. If I just take one person for the year that I can go after, one person I can pray for, one person that I can, one family, a family for a family, a person for a person. Let's take that one person I can disciple, one person I can walk a road with. Not trying to save the whole world, but getting one person saved. Hmm. What can God do in our nation? What can God do through the world? If we bring this good news, that in Him I live and move and have my being. I'll tell a last story and then we're going to have communion at this conference in, in Athens there was a pastor from the UK God started speaking about speaking to him about the immigrants and the refugees that were coming to his nation 
and he was moved in his spirit. So he decided to start a little group of, uh, for some Kurdish men. So he just started speaking to one guy. Just one guy at a station every day. Just, hello, how are you? Don't you want to have coffee with me sometime? They sat down and had a coffee. This one guy gave his life to Jesus. And this one guy invited his friend to come to the coffee. So they started getting together. And the other guy got saved. Two years later, I think they're on 23 men who come together every week. And in the little video he played, a guy that they've just, that just got saved two weeks ago had already led one of his friends to Jesus. I'm trying to just keep back the emotion today because I don't want to be crying up front here. Where would I be if I didn't have Jesus? We're privileged to be in a country where somehow we've heard about the gospel. But how sad would it be if I never heard Jesus? I never gave my life to him. And I died today. I believe in death, Jesus still gives you an opportunity. Because he holds the keys of death, hell, and Hades in his hand. I do believe he's going after souls no matter what. I'm not saying people get saved after death. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't want to get into theology today. But I'm saying this one thing. There are too many people who don't know about this good news. That haven't found the love and the passion that we have. That haven't heard this. I'm looking at this video of these young men who are leading other young men to Jesus and how excited they are. He puts up the phone and he's recording what's happening and the guy is standing there. He's so excited. He's going, yeah, yeah, this is my buddy. He's got him around the neck and he's just given his life to Jesus. He's just given his life to Jesus. Like, woo! And they're all jumping and shouting, not because a rugby team won, not because some stupid soccer team won, but because Jesus it's been it's in his life come on there's something about that that's got to be rejoicing till this very moment every single time a sinner is saved all heaven has a party sorry if i get a little bit excited about this but this you know i used to be very excited about sport but i'm more excited about jesus now when a sinner is saved, when somebody moves to maturity, when somebody knows that he is free and he has eternal life, I might never see them again, but I know I'm going to see them in heaven. There's something about that passion, about Paul saying, hey, I'm not leaving this city until they hear the good news. I'm going to get on a hill. Lord, you open the doors. You do the things. Because something about that needs to happen in my city. My friend needs to know Jesus. You know how cool it will be? When it's not just JD baptizing down at the ocean. But you come here on Sunday and say, Hey, this is my friend. And this is us. And you know, we had a baptism service on Saturday morning. And I baptized my friend. <laughs> come on. Something about that. They get to Moses and Moses, 
There's some guys prophesying down in the city or down in the, in the, amongst the tents. We need to keep them. He says, no, let all prophesy. We all need to be prophesying. We all need to be raising the dead, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers. That's what we got to be doing, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. So that every week you could have some people in your house that you are ministering to. That it's not about us getting together on a Sunday. It's about your home. It's about your friends, your colleagues, where you're at. It's impossible for me to get to them. But you are. I know I'm taking time on this, but if we do not stir this, we will never see the nations change. And I'm telling you, Matthew chapter 6 will never come to pass. The church has been waiting to get out of here when God has been waiting to come here. You see, the thing is, you've got to understand this today. For many years, it was all about the rapture. It was all about end times. It's all about the beast coming and the antichrist and all of that. When God himself on earth said, let me teach you how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So before anything can happen, whether you believe in an antichrist or not, whether you believe in end times or not, I'm telling you one thing. His kingdom needs to be manifested on earth first. No more sickness. No more sickness. You know, the, the next part of this church in the next few months, we're going after sickness, lock, stock, and smoking barrels. We're going to pray for people like we've never prayed for people before. We're going to see sickness healed like we've never seen before. We're going to see people get saved. Like, and you might be like, oh, Sean, I don't want to go out. No, that's not what I'm talking about. And we're talking, we want to equip you so that you, wherever you are, through relationship, are going to see more people saved than ever before. More people healed than ever before. More people changed than ever before. Because there's only one God. And He was revealed through His Son, Jesus Christ, in the earth. So that in Him, you can live and move and have your being. The people need to know that. It's not in the world economy. It's not in your finances. It's not in your relationships. It's not in your husband or your wife. None of that can make you happy. And be honest, it cannot make you happy. Because somewhere something will fail and you will find your joy go out the door because you've built it on somebody or something. But when you build it on Christ, in Him you live and move and have your being, everything will change. And everybody that comes encounter with you, they will change. They will change. Because you are the good news. May the stir in your heart today. 
Thank you for listening to this message. For more information about Kingdom Light Church and upcoming local and international events, please follow our Facebook page, Instagram account, or visit our website at www.kingdomlightchurch.co.za.